Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of If You Know, the show for Web3 creators and enthusiasts. I'm your host, Belle, and each week I'm joined by a panel of experts to bring you the latest practice from the creators who are shaping the future of technology and art. Nothing we ever say is financial advice, and it's always important to do your own research. If throughout the space you have any questions or comments, please request to speak or just type it in the bottom right-hand corner chat, and we'll be checking that throughout the show. My co-host today is NFT Fiend, the CEO of Halliday Labs and co-founder of NFT Girl. I'll be introducing her, a, a long list of introduction. <laughs> which I'm so excited about. But right now, I'm super excited to have Brian Fonzo joining us. Uh, an Atrius keynote speaker on AI and Web3 and the host of NFT 365 podcast, which has freaking million subscribers to it. Fonzo, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, having me. I just got off a space that, you know, Shira and I co-host uh, every Wednesday, so I'm sure she's uh, on her way uh, over this direction. But uh, yeah, excited to be here. Always love talking content and, and the this whole creator world. So thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to have you here. NFT Fina, looks like we up here for a second. Might have dropped by accident wanted to see how you're doing all right i just sent you back a co-host um invitation all right looks like you're back on how are you i am excited to be here thanks for having me on again excited to speak to both of the speakers um really entrenched in web3 love what they're doing and can't wait to start the show let's go Let's fucking go. Oh, absolutely. Content creators, man. It is um thing, I, I, I want to say. And not just in Web3, but just in general. I was taking a look at some of the numbers that, that are just staggering, to be honest with you. As of 2021, the number of active content creators worldwide reached 50 million people. It's across all youtube instagram tiktok podcasts blogs etc a lot of them um started off or maybe eventually became influencers even those that are you know within the umbrella of influencers i mean it's a whole marketing boom that's on there and it's estimated to be a field of worth of over 13.8 billion dollars with again this is across diverse sectors all over, um, you know, worldwide with all kinds of audiences. But it's really become a relationship between brands and content creators. Elevate even more within the Web3 space. So, Fonzo, I want to throw it to you because I want you to, you know, I give you a quick introduction. You obviously have had great success, uh, particularly in your YouTube, but you, but uh, across platforms um and one of the i guess most recent ones being twitter space so i just wanted to, to to start off with you by you know maybe giving us a quick recap of uh who you are and what do you think about those numbers i mean does it surprise you at all yeah no i mean uh i mean the numbers i mean i think it's you know, I think numbers, you know, I think there's always interesting context with, you know, anything when it comes to uh, numbers across years. You know, I 
It's funny. I started as a content creator in 2013, so it's it's weird to say it's been a decade as as a content creator. Um, but like my background is actually, I worked in cybersecurity for the Department of Defense uh, for 10 years. I've traveled to, to 76 countries, and uh, my full time gig is a is a keynote speaker. And so you know that's what I've been doing uh, for the last eight years. Is kind of my uh, my primary source uh, of business, but I'd say 50% or so of it was uh, around content. And I never, I didn't go to school for con, you know, media or uh, like, I, I think my dream job growing up was to be like a sports center news anchor for around sports. Um, but then they crushed my dreams in college because you had to be good at journalism. Uh, and I have ADHD and dyslexia. So uh, passing journalism and English classes wasn't something uh, I was good at. I wasn't diagnosed until 10 years ago. So uh, at the time, I just thought I couldn't figure out you know that kind of variable but for me you know in 2013 um, I had, it was my first kind of foray into, you know, I was di doing some digital marketing for, um, a startup, uh, and the startup kind of, you know, exploded in the tech scene. Uh, and I started doing a lot of influencer work for brands like IBM and Dell, uh, Samsung, uh, Amazon, AWS. And so I was, you know, mostly doing live tweeting at events and then, um, I kind of jumped on the live streaming wave. So for anyone that remembers Meerkat or Periscope or Google Plus, uh, I ran a show on Google Plus uh, for three years every Monday, uh, and I interviewed the likes of Tony Robbins, Damon John, um, you know, my Meerkat account, uh, which was eventually, uh, you know, the the company it dissolved after a year, but. You know, when that uh, when Meerkat kind of exploded onto the scene in 2014, you know, I I was on that wave uh, very early, and I happened to be at South by Southwest, and and so when that pro when Meerkat hit two million active users, uh, Jimmy Fallon was the number one most followed user, Gary Vaynerchuk was number two, and I was number three, and so um, that I I probably picked the wrong pla uh, you know platform to get my 15 minutes of, of content creator fame because uh, the platform died, uh, you know, uh, didn't really die, they pivoted. Uh, to something else that was way more successful uh, a year later. But for me, like podcasting has probably been um, the most consistent piece of content that I've had over the years. Probably podcasting and Twitter are probably the two. You know, my Twitter account, uh, my first Twitter account was in 2009 um, that I created. And my first podcast was in 2009. Uh, and so I've had nine podcasts uh, over the years. But funny enough, it wasn't until uh, my most recent podcast, NFT 365, uh, that it actually popped off. And, you know, we had a million downloads within our 60th episode. Uh, we uh, Episode 420 drops today, uh, actually. So uh, we've had, you know, 420 episodes of that podcast. Uh, we did it every single day uh, for a year. So November 11th, 2021 to November 11th, 2022. Um, I did a podcast every day. I bought an NFT every day. But I guess I say all of that just because, like for me, the the content space has been great because it's it's been the vehicle that drives my speaking business. Um, it's been the vehicle that really, like for me, uh, I'm not a best selling author. I don't have a book. I wasn't a CEO of a, of a you know massive company. I don't have you know I didn't climb Mount Everest. So as a keynote speaker, I'm kind of a, a I would say a unique person in the sense that you know I I know what I what I provide on stages, but really my content is what drives. Uh, a majority of my leads, you know, I've posted on LinkedIn uh, at least twice a week since 2014. Uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, something that most people won't talk about a lot, but like that drives me a lot of business. Um, I did Instagram stories. I had, you know, well over 300,000 followers on Snapchat at one point. Uh, so I've been like kind of an early adopter, content creator, love the the content space. And, and really the driving force for me to get into this space, Web3, was that the idea of the creator economy and the idea that we don't have to have, you know, millions of followers and we don't have to go viral for us to be successful as creators. And 
I still have hope in that. I think we're we're in an interesting uh, lull in this whole you know creator journey. But um, you know, for me, it's been it's been a hell of a journey, and it's funny because. You know, up until probably five years ago, I was okay being called a creator. Uh, and about five months ago, I was okay with being considered an artist now that I, uh, I've sold a lot of AI art and I've been working with a lot of AI collaborations. I get commissioned to do um, some pretty cool AI art projects with some video games that are dropping uh, in Asia. I did some backgrounds for a couple of big uh, NFT projects as well. Uh, so for me, it's like, you know, I, I love you know, collaborating as a creator. I love putting my, you know, message out there. And and now I can say I do it in just about uh, every format uh, there is possible from audio to video to written uh, to actually art now, which is kind of weird to say, but uh, yeah, very proud of the the journey. But yeah, it's been one hell of a ride and always open to share, you know, my journey and, you know, how I monetize or whatever, uh, you know, those are interested in kind of hearing about. You said so much. I mean, truly, you said so much that I want to <laughs> that, that, that like I could I could dive into, you know, with the monetization. One of the biggest um, uh, superhuman super powers, I would say, three has brought to people is, you know, in the creator economy has been monetizing whatever it is that they are passionate about. Right. And to your point, you don't you don't have to you know be an author you don't have to be somebody huge um it, you can be passionate about and choose to do something on your own terms on your own have your own audience and tuning in and connecting with other people um and being able to monetize that to tap into that um before that though i want to applaud you because um i was doing a little bit of research have side of it and just you know the the I would say the transparency that you lead forward with and that is you are uh, some of the creations that you made are ADHD um, um, what's the word um, bringing visibility to it right and uh, just being really transparent that, that that's something that you that you want to bring to the table and, and have an open, open conversation on and and elevate that um, one of my really good friends, when I mentioned that I was going to uh, have an opportunity to talk to you, um, it's something that people don't normally talk about. And she immediately got super excited. Oh, that calls my name because I don't see that many content creators that do that, <clears throat> excuse me, and that are open about it, <clears throat> excuse me, that, and that are open about it and that have actually done something with it, you know? So um, I want to give you an opportunity. How, how did that come to be? And and how does that play into what you do on a daily basis? Yeah, no, I, I mean, honestly, that's partially why um, ADHD is integrated in my brand everywhere and anywhere. The goal early on for me was that if I, if I make my introduction, uh, which every time I'm introduced on stage, it says, you know, welcome ADHD, super powered Brian Fanzo. Um, and the reason for that is I want to bring the conversation to light. And, you know, I was diagnosed uh, a little over 10 years, oh, actually, actually it will be 10 years ago next month um, that I was diagnosed uh, ADHD. And that day changed my life. It, I remember, you know, what clothes I was wearing. I know where I parked my Jeep. I know, you know, where, cause it was a, it was a day for me um, that just reminded me that, you know, I wasn't broken my, I was just different. And, and I know, you know, for many, um, in the mental health and, and mental awareness, mental health awareness side of the house, like, 
that's such a, a big component of this. And, you know, I was diagnosed 10 years ago, but it wasn't like an instant, like, Hey, now I'm going to be an advocate and talk about it in my content. Um, it took a couple of years. I had, I went through a, um, kind of a typical period for anyone that kind of is diagnosed late. Um, I went through this, like, like aha discovery phase. And then I went through a very bitter phase where I hated everybody in my life. Cause like, how the hell did they not notice that I had ADHD? Like everything, all of the signs and all of the triggers are there yet. No one told me that like, as I struggled through high school, you know, and, and I'm very blessed. Like every job that I've had, uh, after school, uh, I've been very successful with and, you know, travel around the world, been promoted. Um, but I, I would say most of that was uh, around my masking. I was pretty good at, um, you know, you doing things to prevent people from recognizing that I had dyslexia or ADHD. Uh, and it was, it was about seven years ago. It was about three years after I was diagnosed. Um, I had actually during a Q and a, at, at that time, I didn't mention pretty much only people in my personal life knew that I had uh, been diagnosed ADHD. Um, and during a Q and a at an event with, it was this massive event, um, in Colorado, actually, um, I was speaking at an event doing Q and a on stage and someone said something about like, um, about me talking fast or me talking a lot or what I, one of the things during the questions and they say, Oh, you must have ADHD. And I simply said, yeah, actually I do. I, I was diagnosed a couple of years ago. Uh, and I'm, I'm working hard to look at it as a superpower. Um, and I believe, you know, a lot of the things that I'm great at are because of my ADHD. And I kind of like listed them off the top of my head and it was literally one answer. Didn't think twice about it. And then when I got to the side of the stage, like after I got off speaking, you know, there's a long line of people that are waiting to talk to you and you know, exchange business cards or whatever it may be. And I will say, I gave a 60 minute keynote. Like I thought it was a really good keynote. Actually, it wasn't that exciting. It was, it was the future of cloud computing. Um, so it's it probably a boring topic like as a whole, but um, I was on the side of the stage and people were coming up asking me uh, questions. And I will tell you about 80% of the questions that people waited for uh, me after that event was about ADHD was not about what I talked about for 60 minutes. And I had a mom, um, that said, Hey, I have my son on FaceTime. Do you mind talking to him? Which I will just tell you is extremely awkward. Uh, like when you have like a random stranger hand you their phone and say, talk to my son. Um, and she said, Hey, he doesn't have uh, ADHD, but he's on the spectrum. He's 22 years old uh, and he's struggling to put himself out into the world. And uh, I, of course, like in that spot, grabbed the phone and I just, you know, talked to him a little bit. And he was telling me a couple of the things that he was going through. And, you know, I wasn't that much older than him at the time. I was I think I was, you know, this was seven years old, eight years ago. So I was, you know, 33 or so. And he was 22. And and I just told him I was like, you know, the most of our lives growing up, we just want to fit in. And then as adults, we recognize that it's the things that make us unique are the things that people connect with and the things that people care about. And it's really, that's how we kind of set ourselves apart in life. And I told him like on this, you know, FaceTime with this stranger in front of his, with his mom there, I said, Hey, you know, I'm going to make it my mission to, you know, add ADHD into every conversation I have, uh, you know, as a speaker and a content creator, if you make it the mission, you know, to own your vulnerabilities and not let that stop you from going outside or doing whatever you may do. And so that that individual who I'm now still connected with on, on LinkedIn and I get to follow his uh, kind of journey, he's a software engineer, um, that's kind of been my inspiration. So I've always had ADHD as part of my brand. And so when I started into the AI art uh, piece, you know, I was so... 
Um, it's so weird, right? I've spoken in front of, you know, thousands upon thousands of people, you know, you know, multiple stadiums that I've spoken in front of. I was actually more nervous dropping my first AI art piece than I was ever getting on stage or launching a new podcast or whatever it may be. Uh, and part of it was because, like, of my respect and love for artists. Like, I just have so much... Uh, you know, appreciation. I never consider myself, um, you know, artistic. And but I, what I did, what I do know, I'm very good at is, is kind of, you know, not only telling stories, um, but empowering conversations, and oftentimes bringing vulnerability in there. I'm a, a very emotional, uh, you know, dad of three little girls that are also a big part of. Uh, of who I am. And so I'm often one that talks about, you know, on stage, I'll tear up and on stage, I'll talk about things that, you know, going through divorce and, and co-parenting and so on. And and for me, that's always been just kind of, you know, in a weird way, it's been my um, comfort level is that I'm most comfortable removing the power from others. So you can't really, you know, hate on me or to attack me because I own everything that I am and all my vulnerabilities and the things that I struggle with. And, and that was a big part of like my growth as a creator. And so when I started looking at AI art, one of the things I found was, you know, what do I create? And I'm someone that, you know, I'm, I've always been loud and obnoxious with colors and I, you know, I have pink shoes and uh, I'm very loud in the, in the pride community and, and as an advocate and ally and also someone that, you know, has been in that space since 2010, or sorry, 2001. Um, and so for me, like, I started thinking like, man, I want to, I want to embody and share visually how I feel throughout my day with someone with ADHD. And so I started creating a bunch of ADHD pieces. I have three collections now um, around ADHD. One is called the Shades of ADHD, where I try to educate people um, on ADHD. So I take certain things that are ADHD traits and I um, I create a piece of art on it that embodies it. But then I, I really work within chat GPT and, and create a, a real definition around things like brain fog or imposter syndrome or emotional, uh, you know, emotional intelligence or rejection sensitivity dysphoria or uh, times time management or, you know, our lack of uh, time awareness. Uh, and then I have another uh, collection called the ADHD is collection where um, I let people kind of interpret what ADHD is to them. And they're all one of one pieces. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Like to me, like this is what it's all about. Like I, I get a new way to help convey that. And, you know, the cool story is, you know, and Shira's up here now, you know, I, my, one of my pieces is, was part of Shira's collection that she led uh, with Peace Inside Live with the Jomo effect. And, you know, I have a couple pieces that were bought by a school in California and they had heard my story and they bought five of my pieces and they're just putting them in the hallway in the school. And they sent me a really cool message and they're going to take some pictures and put them up uh, at the beginning of the school year. And they told me like the whole goal was like that they wanted to, the kids that are neurodiverse in the school to not feel alone. And I was like, shit, like how cool is that as a creator that I get to like create something that I would have killed to have when I was growing up, right? That, that if someone told me, you know, something that like, you know, masking or, um, you know, being wired and, and being fully connected yet feeling alone, like these, like these emotional things that are attached to ADHD. And so um, to me, that's where this kind of has all kind of come together. And uh, it's beautiful. I, you would have told me 10 years ago being diagnosed that I would become a, an artist uh, creating art around ADHD. I don't think, I don't think I would have ever saw that in my trajectory of, uh, of content creation, but uh, it's just another vehicle for me to kind of put out the message and make an impact. And so, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up there. And, you know, the collections, uh, the ADHD collections are over on known origin uh, for anyone that wants to check them out. And, and I, I try to do a wide variety of, 
I have one of one pieces. I have one of 11 pieces. And then I have one of, uh, of bigger collection pieces. Uh, if people want to send them to a friend or if someone, you know, for me, like, if someone can open their wallet and feel less alone or feel heard or seen, or just simply read the description and recognize that it's, you know, that that's what, Hey, that's what it is that I'm going through. And now I understand it. Uh, to me, that's a win, you know, across the board. So yeah, it's, that's my newest uh, adventure and, and world. And uh, I, I mean, I, when someone says like, you know, they're scared of AI taking jobs or, you know, how does AI um, impact us as content creators? I hope they can take my story and, and kind of use that as an example of, of like the flip side, right. Where I would have never been able to create art um, or convey this, you know, impact around ADHD if it wasn't for AI. Like I, like my daughters literally, if we do crafts, we did a craft this weekend and my daughters laughed so hard at my painting on this craft that I didn't even finish it. Like they laughed me out of my kitchen and, and like, mostly in a good way. Cause then they were like, daddy, let me finish painting this. And they took over painting for, for me. My, my 13 year old is right at that point where she's slightly embarrassed by uh, some of the things that daddy does with like bright colors. But like, that's me as an artist is like, I'm artistically challenged in like the real world, but thanks to AI, it's really unlocked this, uh, this really cool Avenue. And it's allowed me to do cool things. Like some of the things that we did with partner with, with Shira and uh, Jomo effect. And I mean, I, I mean, Shira and I have known each other, uh, since 2014 and we've done a lot of stuff content creation a lot of you know hosting and co-hosting and speaking at events um, but how cool is it that she was you know creating a, a really powerful movement around you know the joy of missing out and and this mental health conversation and I was able to be included in that uh, because of my art which is would have never been happened if it was my podcast or my video content or or whatever it may be so yeah as content creators I think it's fun to you know, exp explore and be curious. And I, I know I'm, you know, a, I, I'm a winner because uh, of my curiosity and that allowing it to happen. You're absolutely a winner because of your curiosity. Curiosity leads us to some huge fan of people, of you using it for, to, to create, to make a positive impact. I mean, I think, I think, I think I would have cried if somebody told me that they put that connects with people um to me for you know content creation can be as as selling a product or 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 in influencing people's pocketbook except but it can truly be as impactful as you relating to a person never in physical life been able to touch you know talk to someone who's going through exactly whatever it is going through and that's true true impact shira welcome to the stage i think that this is such a good like it, you know it a good introduction for you because i know that, that you do so much in this space and by the way um jomo we're a huge huge fan of of what you guys are doing there we're giving away a free um at the end of this so i tweeted up here and i pinned up a tweet on this particular space if you can uh retweet that that would be amazing so that we can get some more people in here and then i'll also be picking uh somebody that retweets that we'll get the nft at the at the end of it so um i am you up here and i'm also getting some um I just got pinged at my, it, it seems like I'm going in and out. So I'm going to try something. And uh, hopefully it doesn't cut me off. I don't think that it will. But Shira Lazar, so happy to have you on here. Guys, I stopped Shira at, um, I don't know if you remember this, but at Consensus, she was walking down the, the, the street. And I literally 
myself in front of her and had to give her a hug and say hi to her. And she was gracious enough to let me stop her, even though she was on the way to talk to someone else. Um, so huge fan of everything that you guys are, are, are doing, uh, you know, on the founder of the Emmy-nominated media brand, What's Trending, hosts the podcast Inside Web 3, as well as the Twitter. Bonzo. She's also a founding member of My BFF and founder of the Jomo Peace Inside Live, which is a way of free NFT. So, Shira, how are you? Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Sorry, you're cutting in and out. I was trying to, like, uh, I'm in the car now. <laughs> take my Wi-Fi off as I love my house. But yeah, thank you for having me. And I totally remember you. And I, I love those moments. And I, I'm so happy we got to connect in person. And then now virtually again. And that's that's the point of these events. So thanks for having me. A hundred percent. All right. So you were nominated one of the um, you got you were nominated by NFT now as also one of the top 100 creators in the space. Congratulations on that. I think that we were earlier we were talking about, you know, just the rise of content creation and 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 and, and the staggering numbers, honestly, that go with that. There's over 50 million uh, content creators worldwide across all different type of platforms uh, with a market worth of 13 billion dollars um going back Fonzo, to what you were talking about and the monetization of it one of the things that i wanted to talk about today as it to from web two to web three what do you think you know having been I and mean, both of you guys have been have been in content creation a public figure for so long longer than you know web three has been has been popping especially often uh in twitter so what do you think are are some of like the biggest um, opportunities that Web3 has created um, for content creators. Can you just say the last part? What do you think what for content creators? Because you cut out for me. Oh my so sorry. I think I'm going to have to physically move because I already tried it. But um, yeah, what do you think are the biggest opportunities that Web3 brought for content creators oh. that ha that are coming from web two to web three yeah and let me know if i'm cutting it out because i'm on the road um well i think that uh more connection to community ownership um being able to yeah have more of a direct connection to the people that you're um you're working with and who are investing in you and they become not just fans and consumers but part of the ownership so i mean the decentralization aspect of it um is huge in cutting out the middle people in terms of the so media platforms who are deciding even though there's still like percentages around platform and processing and royalties but the idea of being able to like that you build it from scratch um, it, it, as a smart contract is is really part of what makes it unique and innovative. Uh, and the tools after that, even though they are still Web2 tools to continue to connect with that community uh, and them having ownership over the community that they're in and, and they're part of it. I just think all of that makes it really unique um, and fundraising, unique like a unique form of fundraising to um, within niche communities uh, that in the past, you know, maybe you had Patreon. That was kind of a similar one, but again, hard to track, not transparent. Uh, and, 
yeah, you, you couldn't really see what was happening as well, like, um, as much like Patreon, you just pay into it and then you're like, okay, I'm going to trust that I'm going to be given whatever utility. Uh, and then you didn't know if someone else in there was getting what they deserved or needed. So there was less of a communication within the community as well. Um, but you know, you're typically relying on studios or the social media platforms for monetization around that and creating new forms of, um, of venture and investment and fundraising, I think is huge, including um, as a content creator. Um, but then not just monetizing your core content, like Fanzo does right now, or it could be a digital piece of art as a digital asset or video or music. But I think that the expertise brings new forms of opportunities as well uh, for advising, consulting, and as a creator getting, um, more of a piece of the pie that's being built versus just being a quote unquote creator. Like you, you are a multi hyphenate. And I think this space really uh, supports and encourages that. I love that. I have some questions, uh, Fonzo, if you want to follow up on that, but I want to give an opportunity to NFT Fiend. Did you have any follow-up questions on that? Yeah, there's just been so much said. And I really love the space and talking about content create creators and the ability to now have ownership, decentralization. I mean, these are all things that are really important, but also things that are, it seems as though this is a, a new type of wave that has been occurring over the last, you know, five, six years. I remember when Instagram came out and there was this, it seemed to be like a singular focus on the idea of what it means to be a creator on Instagram and creating content. And now with the way and where we are with technology, you know, just saying that you're a creator could mean 16 different things, if not even more in the future. And so as it pertains to just redefining and maybe looking at the idea of what a creator is, um, I read an article even, you know, two months ago where it said that the term and the word of saying influencer, that that's not going to be used in the future. So I'm just kind of wondering from both of your positions, you know, if you maybe look in the next five years, 10 years, uh, what do you think will define or what do you think will be some of the newer opportunities outside of what we see right now that will define or bring to the content creation or just creator space? Yeah, I'll jump in. Uh, so it's funny, you know, Shira and I have known each other for a long while. And uh, anyone listens to the interview that her and I did on my podcast, um, we literally, it, we spent about 90 minutes. It was mostly ranting. I, I promise there's some good takeaways in there, but it was mostly ranting um, about just like the, the content creator space since we've been in it for so long. Uh, you know, we, a lot of what Shira and I both did was a lot about live content and, uh, and trending content. Uh, but I, I firmly look at like, you know, this is the beauty of where I think web three isn't talked about enough. Like we, right now we're tapping into such a small aspect of the, of, of the blockchain that blockchain allows ownership and ownership transforms the way that communities can be built online. I think it's why, you know, most of us have seen, uh, you know, been a part of a, a Facebook group, um, that was really good. I, I have a Facebook group that changed my career, like literally changed my career. Um, it was for speakers. I'm actually funny enough. I'm wearing the shirt, the swag right now, uh, as we're recording this. Um, and that Facebook group was amazing. And, and over the years I got to connect with speakers, but eventually 
it got too big and then there was more people and then all of a sudden I turned off notifications and then people were just dropping links in there and and that kind of has always happened digitally right and I think the unfortunate part about being a creator for the last 10 years is that so much of it was dependent on two things right massive audience or massive inroads with brands and I, I will say, and like Shira and I can both probably agree that w like the where we benefited the most was that a lot of the the big brands that would hire us either as a host, an MC, or a speaker, or would we would do content with, like that was our vehicle. Like a lot of my, like I had podcasts that nobody has ever heard of that was sponsored by IBM and Adobe. Like Adobe was a sponsor of mine for four years of a podcast that I can promise nobody listened to because I saw the download numbers and I know <laughs> that not many people listen to, but Adobe sponsored it because they also were collaboration partners of mine and they hired me to speak at their events and I was on stage so then we would kind of partner these things together and so for me like I'm, I'm very blessed that a lot of my career a lot of my revenue was generated as a creator but almost all of mine was a b2b play not a b2c play and what I mean by that is like I I, I never really sold products directly to my community um, I would always say like hey I'm going to give you free content and follow kind of the Gary V model and I'm going to use brands to sponsor it. Right. So I've had, you know, did work with uh, the UFC and Applebee's and uh, the Super Bowl. You know, I did, I brought out uh, influencers to the Super Bowl and, and I have to say, like, the reason that I'm excited about where we're going is that you no longer have to have all those connections. Like, and, and, I, and I say that because, like, that's where we're going. We're not there yet. Like, I don't want to give people false hope because this is where Shira and I like, are pulling out our hair right now at the moment, right? Where it's, like, we're built, the infrastructure is going to allow us to do these things. Right now, unfortunately, a lot of what our monetization exists is still traditional web two ways that we have to convince them to do web three. And I don't know what, how Shira would say on this, but like monetizing in web three has been harder for me than it ever was in web two, but partially uh, that has nothing to do with the actual web three technology and the mechanics. It has a lot to do with all of these external factors of like, you know, crypto reputation and people not understanding the tech and how do you, how do you value someone's following or community in a web three realm? I, like I would argue you know, I, I, you know, I sold NFTs for my, my podcast, right. And I, I sold, um, 22 of them at $5,000 and 365 of them at $365. And, and thankfully I, I launched that in the fall of 21. Um, and so like the timing was right for that. And I sold those, those, uh, NFTs out. And I would tell you, like, for me, those people that 365 plus 22 people that hold that NFT, like that's a different you know, maturity of a, of a listener than just a listener that's subscribing uh, to a podcast drive by. And so where I, I, where I think at, and to answer that question is like, like I'm very proud to call myself an influencer and in, and in, in I've never shied away from that word because it puts food on the table. It, it, it allows me to provide because for me, influence is not about number of followers. It never has been. It's the amount of people that, that trust you that will take action based on the things that you say, the things that you do, or the people that you work with, right? And and I think the beauty of what you had mentioned about the word influencer kind of going away is I think we're actually replacing the word influencer with trusted creator. And I think we're going to this space of like, 
who are the trusted creators that we would buy their NFT, support them, show up for them. And like, to me, that's where our brands can come back and say, wait, you have that many trusted people in your community that are holding your NFT, that are, that are supporting you, that are showing up to your, you know, your Twitter spaces or your shows. And so I think that's like the most exciting part of this is that you no longer are going to require millions of followers. You no longer have to hit some stupid pay metric that YouTube or Instagram is going to take 30% of the, the profit margin off of anyhow. The hard part about this is it's going to, it's a different model where people are going to have to f- realize that if you want great content from great creators, you're going to have to pay, like support them by paying and, and buying what they're, what they're being a part of. And I don't think we've got to that mindset yet, but I will promise you within the next three years, that mindset will be normal. And we will laugh at the days where we would, we would listen to Shira's show. We would consume her content, which she spends hours on, right? Understanding trends. She does a great job of, of really allowing trends to kind of come to life. It's what her brand has been about for, for many, many, many years before her, before I even met Shira. And the interesting part is how many people have said like, Hey, I put money to say, thank you, Shira, for the content you created. Not very many. Right. And I think that that model will shift as we move more into this web three, this ownership uh, mentality, but it's, it's going to take a little bit of while, but I think for anyone that's in the space, I think just know, like, there's never been a better time to become, start becoming, like honing in your creator skill set because it takes a long time. I mean, we can both agree to that. Like, I mean, I was doing interviews on Google Plus that, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I interviewed, if I could go back, I interviewed Tony Robbins and it was one of the worst interviews that I'd ever done because I was so new to interviewing. I can promise you that if I interview Tony Robbins today, I would be one of the best interviews that he's had because I've done a thousand plus interviews uh, since that when I was kind of starting. And I'm very thankful that I started early and started in you know 2013 for me as a creator. And so I think for anyone that's out there, like get started now, the monetization plan, it will kind of, it, it will start to find its way, but we are also moving towards a monetization that will be better for every style of creator, not just the one percenters of those that have a, kind of those, those brand partnerships. So that's kind of my take on that. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Shira, is there anything that you want to contribute to that? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because like, it's been about kind of video creators. Web2 was very video creator centric. And then of course there was like photographers because of Instagram and all that. But I think, uh, and then I would say then utilizing musicians, utilizing social media, but then the twist was like, they really didn't have as much ownership over their community and weren't encouraged to necessarily. And then um, all of our activity was being, used for these platforms to monetize and we weren't necessarily getting a cut of that um i think the future is where we could all monetize at once like that's truly democratic like this idea that social media democratized the internet um i think there's it's partially true but then democracy comes not just from freedom of expression but but which is you could say that hasn't really been (laughs) fully there but um but also the freedom, you know, freedom comes from f- financial freedom. Like creativity can come when you could actually make the money to live and have like ba- your basic needs met. And until we figure out how to, you know, build an ecosystem where if I'm consuming a lot, I'm gaining something, not just information and value, obviously there's huge value, but like, and if I'm producing a lot, I'm making value. And if I'm in the, the platform, I'm making money and value like we all get to do it together and that's where i see 
I see the future as that where everyone's part of the everyone's truly part of the ecosystem thriving um and uh and that means you know uh, the the exchange there's an exchange an energetic exchange a creative exchange a value exchange and a monetary exchange and i think that could happen through tokenization again we see that with brave browser and bat but like no one's really and you know nft now i i think is going to you know, try to attempt this too, and Rug Radio has, but these become these small little examples, they're case studies, but, you know, I would love to see it, that continue to scale up in, in terms of bigger media companies, possibly, and, and then also us deciding as consumers when we want to share that data and not to monetize, right? And that goes, you know, goes back to uh, when we connect our wallet. Okay, I'm open, I'm, I'm open to being possibly followed and monetized against and I'm going to get something back for that. And no, I'm closed for business now. I'm offline. Like do not follow me or take my data. Like, I think that um, <laughs> that's going to be really powerful when that happens. So um, there's a bit, of, a bit of a power back to the consumer individual and, and the independent creator um, as well as saying, you know, in order for media companies to continue to invest in the future of creativity, they also need to be thriving. Like we're seeing the breakdown right now of media between Vice, BuzzFeed, the strikes and everything. And um, it's a reckoning, but it also has a domino effect towards money that's put in the system. So like, you know, just like any sort of like nature, it's an ecosystem. You know, if one thing is rotting, it does impact the other things. So then how do you get our, uh, the equilibrium to happen? And I think we're, my hope is we're at a place where there will be a bit more equilibrium versus, you know, dry patches. And then um, and that happens too. But like, you know, uh, places that some of us are putting our attention to and, um, and uh, watering those plants or there's huge corporations watering the plants and then there's other places that are beautiful territory but we've ignored and we're not taking care of kind of something like that so uh i think that that's what we're seeing shake up and happen and i i think the even the new head of youtube is has talked about how he's very much into the blockchain it'll be interesting to see how that comes into play and my hope again is it's through you know uh, the CPMs and everything that we do, including on Instagram or any of these places, it's crazy what you get back for a million views or two or three million. Right now, what's cool about what we're seeing here is you could have even a thousand followers or people that consume your asset, buy into it, interact, and that can still lead to a lot of money because it's quality and, um, and you're deciding, do you want a bigger, more general mass audience or do you want a smaller, more niche connected audience? And, and that's your decision and each has its value. And so um, I think that's what's interesting about what we're seeing here. But I think that the problem is big companies look at it more as a buzzword right now, instead of looking at it more as an ecosystem and a back end and a technology to innovate on. So until they start thinking of it like that, we're still going to see these like one-off projects. And unless they do amazingly, it's going to be like their attempt, just like it was way back in the day. It was like, oh, American Idol, we're going to do a live streaming show and be alive tweeting on Twitter as if that was going to like, it does change the ratings, but it's like not a game changer. 
it's like ultimately they ended up looking at the ratings as a, an amalgamation of social and hashtags and TV ratings. That's going to be the future of rating systems. So um, I look at it as similar in terms of this and influencer. I mean, I, I, I'm not against, I think it's a word that gets thrown around and people don't realize like the um, there's, there's a bit of a responsibility to that. And then what are you influencing? Yeah. What's the credibility? What's the trust factor? Um, we need to be looking at people as individuals versus just as these necessarily these blanket terms. And all of us are artists in our own right or connectors, right? Um, and it happens that we have a platform, which if anything should be, then we should be more valued. Like if, if us as people and experts in our field, that's valuable as an executive, then add in a platform that we have. And I think we should be looked at as even more valuable. It doesn't always happen. So um, I think it's a, we're all creative entrepreneurs. So we're in an area, era of content creator, influencer, creative entrepreneur, really. And, and Shira, I think the other part of this that we both agree on is like, we also have to move this out of silos, right? Like, I think it gets really unfortunate. There are some things and like projects and even some of the ones that you mentioned there that are, are doing some cool things, but like how many of them are helping other creators, content creators also monetize that same way or piggyback on a partnership, right? And I think that's like a, you know, and I, you know, I launched a coin uh, on rally, you know, I had the ADHD coin and, you know, I, it was one of the, you know, the things I cared about the most. And unfortunately the platform rally, um, which was backed by A16Z pulled the plug on that. But what I loved about rally was that there was 200 plus creators of us on that platform. And we got together every single week and we would share, this was what worked with our coin. This is what didn't work. Hey, this is how I use this to, to give away coin to reward my, if you shared my podcast out, you got ADHD coin and then people could turn that in and they could get consulting hours from me or they could buy merchandise from me. Um, and I think the hard part about that, you know, what ended up coming, you know, what we learned was we were doing a 2.5 model where unfortunately we didn't own the contract and, and rally pulled the plug on us, which, you know, still hurts me to this day. And, you know, it happened in January. I feel like I still have PTSD, but like Shira, to your point, like, I think the other part of this that we can't, we can't fall into the web to trap. And this is what every YouTuber that was successful with, they, fi they figured out how can we help out only the one percenters, right? Like how can we only, and so like the gap between 1% YouTube creators became so freaking massive and like kudos to them, they got paid. But I don't want to live in a world that is, is, is kind of placating to the 1%. Like that's the world we live in right now. Like screw that. Like that is, that is not got us to a better place. It's not got us better content. It's not got us better relationships with our audiences. And I really hope, you know, and I, I this is a struggle because like, you know, Shira, you talked about it on the show earlier that we co-host together. Like, I have to hold back from tweeting things as well, where I just get so damn frustrated where I'm like, shit, somebody else has been working with that partnership for nine months. Like, if I had known that, I would have helped them push it forward because if they're successful, we're all successful. Like, the 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 more content, you know, creators that figure out ways to empower their their community, the better it is for all of us because we can all grow on top of that. And I still think we're we're missing a little bit of that growth mindset in the in the creator uh, space. But I will say, the Web three creator space has much more of a growth mindset than the AI creator space. Just because I play in both of them, the AI creator space is like doggy dog. People want to thrash each other's throats on on whoever gets the prompt, the first prompt out right, or whatever that may be. And so I, I have a lot of hope and faith in this Web three creator world because I feel like we a lot of us do care about making the world a better place for for creators and empowering those that haven't had a voice. To freaking have a voice and that's coming from someone that talks way too damn much 
Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I feel like we need to build it, right? Instead of waiting for Web2 companies to come and build it, I mean, they don't really care so much about Web3. They just look at it as as, as a way in which, oh, well, there's another market that we can capture. Maybe we can get a percentage of that. I think that Web3, we need to come together. We need to create something and create a home for ourselves. We know what's, what? we know what's needed, right? So why don't we create it? Yeah, what I love about these movements and these changes of the tide and ships is that um, – it allows actually different communities to get to know each other. So, um, you know, when social started, I was getting to meet executives at major companies or celebrities. And I was like, what? Like, I would never have imagined this. And then of course the gatekeeping started again and it didn't become like we're early and these big companies were interested in talking to people that early that were early. It was like everyone and their moms involved and, it's actually hard to reach out and get those meetings, right? What I love if, about early spaces is, you know, you see everyone, whether we like it or not, every conference, you really get to know each other and that builds a real relationship so that you can hit someone up and, and, and like shoot the shit or pick up the phone and say, I'm working on this. What do you think? Let's collaborate. Those, those conversations happen more easily and they happen more easily for new people. So there's people that were maybe in previous industries or would have never imagined they'd be at a space like this or talking to, we all wouldn't have been talking to each other and connecting. And there's new dynamics and relationships that are built that would have been gatekept before. Right. So I think that's the coolest when these new types of times emerge is that, executives and people from from older guards or traditional spaces for a moment do become open to meeting new people from new communities and then it becomes again everyone from the old uh, their community gets into this and then they're basically talking to the same people again it's like a back to i hate saying this is circle jerk a bit but um so that's what there is an exciting moment that happens that i love but it, it doesn't last very long necessarily so you got to take advantage of it you bring up really good points in in the web three specific one right i've been doing this already for i guess a little bit over two years and in web three specifically and i hear those complaints all over the time and we see it ourselves that so many people start podcasts twitter spaces thread whatever a community right um Discord, whatever, a community on on Web3 specifically, and they end up dropping out very, very quickly. And the reason for that is a multitude of reasons that I would love to hear your expertise on that. But the first reason is there's there's a plethora of information and I'm not like, I don't know if I should focus on Twitter, if I should focus on Instagram, if I should focus on TikTok, it's, it's, I'm expending so many hours into putting this creation together, this, you know, putting out this, this content creation, I'm not getting paid a dime for it. And then the closer that you get, I guess, to the sun, the, clo- the, the quicker that you find out a lot of the times that if you're not part of that group, if you're not a part of, you know, the secret group, the cabal, as they call it, then you're probably not going to get the same opportunities that everybody else is getting, right? And I see people day in and day out get so discouraged that they started a podcast, for example, and, you know, they weren't the ones that were tapped on the shoulder because they weren't friends with so-and-so within Web3. Both of you guys are experts at this, and I would love, I'm sure that you've also heard the same complaints from people in Web3. I mean, we have a lot of people here in the here in the space that are content creators. What would you say to somebody like that? Sure, I'll let you go first this time. 
No, I think I will. Oh, um, I think don't get discouraged. Like, allow yourself to feel, but this, it's not for the faint of heart. This, you know, I think we see creator and you and your own platform and money and you see the 1% or you see the people, the person that made it and you're like, and it does look nice and it is nice. Like having that power to do what you want and how you want to do it is powerful, but there's a lot that you don't see that's under the water. It's like the tip of the iceberg, right? You see what's on the top and like, look what's underneath. And it does come with a lot of, uh, it, like, I would say rejection, but not necessarily everyone saying yes to you at every point just because you're doing something. Everyone's doing something. And so, but for all the no's you'll have, you'll have a lot of yeses. So it's like, you got to focus on the yeses and for the people who are showing up and are aligning with you. Because a lot of times you will focus on, you know, why isn't this happening at, at this rate the way I want it to happen? And it's like, that's just not how the world and life works. And you're not, and this is, I'm all about everyone's special. Like, I believe everyone, we are unique gifts, but like, you're also not special. Everyone is trying at the same game. So it's like, kind of, I always say like, humble yourself. You're still at the beginning. This isn't a race. This is a marathon. And it's like, learn along the way. Like a lot of times we will, we will ignore the lessons along the way because we're so focused on this goal or this, you know, new, the shiny object in front of us versus everything around us that is like, is coming into our purview that's that can support us along the way, but we're not even paying attention to. Um, and again, it's like when I hear some people also like, oh, I've been in it a year or six months. Like there's some people who have been in it for a short period of time and it feels like forever and they've killed it. And I think that you see those examples and you're like, wow, why not me in a year? And it's like, this is, again, if you're, it's not just, if you're going to look at it, this is your life. It's a journey. It's, it's a career. It's not just a gig. And so like, a year is great, but you know, even if you like live somewhere, it takes five to 10 years to feel like, oh, this place is a home. So I would say like, find your home and what you're doing and give yourself some patience and grace along the way to learn and grow. And that expertise will go a long way, whether it be for you or for other people that need that support too. And I have to remind myself of that all the time. There are so many people while I know a lot of people, I get in a lot of door bubble doors and all that, but like there are so many people and I don't know and doors that still open their little crack but aren't fully open to me. And I, I have to just try to tell myself that's okay. And either maybe that's not for me and like what is, what is, what are the doors that are open and like focusing on that or finding the, as they say, like the proverbial third door, right? Or saying, you know, how else can I make this happen versus falling into victim mode and pointing fingers mode because that doesn't help anyone. So I don't know if that's helpful, but every industry, this is a bit of a reality check, has their circles, has their, um, you know, clicks. And um, also it's like, you're hot sometimes and you're needed and sometimes you're not. So you got to focus on your own kind of self-worth and value and knowing what that means to you while also playing into the fact that, you know, you can't control people. Everyone is the four agreements. It's really helpful. 
What do you think, Fanso? I, I love where you went on that, Shira. Uh, and I mean, I think a lot of that is from the, the passion side, right? And I will say like, you know, the the content, like I, one of the things that I struggle with advice that people give from a creator perspective is they often try to start where their audience is, not where they're most comfortable. And I will just tell anyone that's creating content, creating content is hard as crap, but here's the craziest part about this whole thing. The creation part isn't the hardest part. It's the getting it in front of the right eyeballs at the right time. But you will not be able to spend time on that until you're first most comfortable being a creator in your own. Like, so I, if you're thinking about being a creator or you're trying to grow something and if podcasting isn't like if audio creation isn't your favorite, like for me, if I like it's so funny with Twitter spaces, like I have to I have trained myself, you, you know, Clubhouse, I spent way too many hours on Clubhouse for the entire pandemic. But I, I had to train myself to to do certain things. Like I stand up, I walk around, I have like a, the mic, I'm using my podcast microphone right now, but like I have a, on the cable on my headset is like, I, I'm telling you 25 feet long because I know that like for me, I have to be in a certain like frame for me to be passionate and convey the message that I'm wanting to create. And like every podcast episode that I've ever created, I've recorded video with every single one. And most videos for a long while video, I never posted the video. The video was for me because I knew as a creator, if I could see myself on video, I was actually, I leaned into things more. I was more passionate. I was more like kind of like, it kind of found my own spot. And so I think that's a big thing for creators today. I think it's often easy to be like, well, of course I can talk on a space, but like, you know what we need in Twitter spaces? We need creative formats in Twitter spaces. Like I would love to see more creative styles of shows. Like, you know, if you, you look at the hot one show, right. Where people are eating hot wings while they're being interviewed. Like why the hell, like it makes no damn sense for me to laugh and watch Will Ferrell try to eat hot wings without his lips trying to be interviewed, but the format and the style, is different and I think on some of the the podcasting space well podcasting especially thankfully podcasting has changed a little bit on the the style right before serial existed um, before we had some of these new age podcasts I mean podcasting was boring as hell from a content creation it was interview 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 like I did a podcast which was a solo show for three years and it it got a lot of listeners, not because I people wanted to like really just listen to me, but it was because the style was a little bit different than what their traditional podcasting was. And so I'll throw that out there. The other thing is like, we have to really clearly define what success looks like for us as a creator, as we're going. And that success should not be linked to number of downloads, number of follows, and, and it should not be linked to number of money that you're being made, but it should be linked to things that are like tangible that you can celebrate. Like the average podcast dies after seven episodes. So if you have a podcast, this show says episode 90 up there, you are 10, you know, whatever that is, I don't even know how many, 20, 12 times, 14 times, you've lasted 14 times at 14 X longer than the average podcast that ex that is out there. Right. And, and I think that was brought up earlier. Like a lot of people start things and the truth of the matter is we all have great ideas. We all believe that we can do some great things. The, the, the true magic of it is how do you connect it? And, and I'm, I shy away from the thing of like, if you, you know, if you're doing what you love, you never work a day in your life, like bullshit. Like if I'm doing what I love and I can't make money on it, I, I, it's pretty damn painful and I don't care like who you are. Like, let's be very truthful on that. Like we have to pay our bills and, and, and value our time. But I do believe that like, 
if you if you're if you're willing to be curious and try formats, try you know different ways of putting things out there, then the magic ends up becoming once you figure out like who your target audience is. Like I don't compete. Like I mean, Cheer and I both been creators for the longest while, and it's funny we we are really good friends. We co-host a show together now for uh, you know a year and a half. But I would argue our audiences of our content is probably like we have a very little overlap in our audiences. So like she could talk about the Apple. Um, um, you know, Vision Pro headset on her podcast uh, or on her show, I will share it to my community. But I also know I will add a, an episode of my podcast, the one that comes out today, where I'm attacking that topic from that that point of view. And I think that's also like one of these things that like as creators, you can't, it's not apples to apples and you can't, you know, judge against what others, you know, success was. And like, you know, funny enough with that podcast that we had that, you know, the, this NFT 365, you know, I didn't know we hit a million downloads. We actually hit 1.2 million downloads and a listener who's in the podcasting space reached out to us and let us know. And I say that not as a flex, but as like a, like my goal starting NFT 365 was a personal challenge that said, what the hell would it look like doing a podcast every day for a year? Now I will tell you, don't do that. Um, whoever it is, the, it was the, the craziest experiment of my entire life. You know, with someone with ADHD and dyslexia, I've never believed that I was very good at being consistent, but at 41 years old, uh, and I turned 42 on Friday, like I, I learned at 41 that like, hey, uh, you know, I can learn new things. And just because I thought for most of my life consistency wasn't my strong suit, like I know for a fact that right now, if for every brand that I talk to, for every company that wants to hire me, I don't have to preach that I'm consistent, that you can trust me, that I'm not going anywhere and that I will show up no matter what. I got COVID twice. I had a team of 12 that unfortunately, because of the way sponsorships in the market happened, I went from a team of 12 to now a team of, uh, of, of a half a person that is helping me with my, my project. And I've stuck it through, right? We have podcast episodes that are still coming out. We're not doing daily anymore. We're doing, you know, we do twice a week right now um, of the show, but I will say like the, the 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 other byproducts of being a creator are what we have to focus on and and the way that i always say this for speakers and this goes into creators too is like i never speak for free ever but i often will speak for no fee because i will i will make sure that what else i'm getting as a speaker is going to be as valuable as that you know as my my keynote speaker fee right so for as a creator maybe it's building trust in a relationship maybe it's not this Twitter space that's going to be the Twitter space that blows up, but maybe it's this Twitter space that builds a relationship with eight big players in this space. And all of a sudden when AI and it, let's just say VR, or AR, um, you know, augmented reality start to be implemented and you start a new show with augmented reality and there's people that you had interviewed on the Twitter space that nobody remembers and you're able to loop them back in guess what the ROI of that first space is, right? Like I know the ROI of a Google Plus show. Most of you don't even know Google Plus existed and those that do didn't even know that they had a, you know, had a live video feed uh, for many years. Like that, the, the byproduct of that show, what I kept telling myself every single Monday, we did it every Monday for three years, was I was showing up there not because I was putting on a great product for the audience, not because I wanted to be go viral on Google+, because I wanted to be the best interviewer I could be, and the only way that I knew how to do that was put in the reps. And so I would, I would, yeah, I would get off that thing. I would, and, and just to be transparent, 
I would be pissed when there would only be 40 people watching me or 20 people watching me or 12 people watching me. I remember the Damon John one for the first 30 minutes of interviewing Damon John, there was 12 live viewers. And I was like, what in, like, I was, I, let's, so like, let's just be very honest that we, it's okay to be frustrated with that. It's okay to want more audience. It's okay to get creative on that. But don't let that be your measurement for success. Because if you do, you will be the seven-episode podcaster that exists over and over again. We're seeing this. People get so excited. Launch a new Twitter space. Launch a new, uh, you know, a new another podcast. Launch a YouTube channel. And the reason they quit, I believe, has a lot less to do with them not being talented and them not being committed. It's that they didn't define what success looked like beforehand. And if you don't know what success looks like, how the hell could you ever look at something as success as you're creating it? So like, that's a challenge I think for a lot of creators and exactly as Shira kind of talked about there, like the other part of this is like just recognizing that like it, the, 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 the mindset of it must be nice is what we must break. Like we, and we all do it, right? Like, I, I mean, Shira was speaking at VCon, and I could have easily been like, man, must be nice to be Shira Lazar and happen to sit down with, you know, just a semi-superstar named Drew Barrymore and for her to freaking crush it. And I would tell you what, I was texting her the night before, texting her right after, cheering her on because, like, for me, rather than it being, like, must be nice that she got that and I didn't, I looked at it and said, you know what? The more doors that Shira opens, the more stages she's on, the more opportunities for people like me that are creators that are building are going to be able to get on that space. So I think that's the other part of this that we all should, you know, recognize is like cheer on the creators that are doing it in a fashion that you that you believe in because the more those creators are successful, the more we all kind of win in this whole creator game. No, I really love this. This has been such an incredible conversation. Um, consistency, right? Putting in those reps. It's a marathon. This is your career. Take it seriously. It's okay to get hit on the chin a few times. Just keep getting back up. Keep going. Keep going. Keep persevering. Build a reputation. We've also talked about different tools that are needed that, you know, there are many gaps that are existing right now, especially as it relates to being a content creator within Web3. But we see the opportunities on the horizon. And you know, when I think about it from a marathon type of perspective, you know, putting the time in, you both have done that. I love it. I love the amount of followers you have. I love the content. Um, Shira, I was looking through your Twitter um, page and saw on there about the idea of AI and music. I know that Grimes has, you know, and I really applaud her for doing this. Now she's come out and said that it's okay to use her voice as long as she's getting royalties from that. I believe that that is the future or could be a future for monetization within music and then even even on a decentralized aspect of being able to take different types of musicians' voices and then web it together within one soundtrack and ensuring that all the proceeds from that are actually going to each of the creators. So what I'm speaking to is this idea of the evolution of tech and that you know, as we continue to cut our teeth in this industry and stay a part of it and be consistent to keep swimming, that over time, there's going to be new tools that are going to be unlocked that give us more opportunities. And one of those tools is something that both of you are very entrenched in and know about, and that is AI. So my question really revolves around AI. When AI first started to come out with ChatGPT, you know, in a mass way, right, in a very mass way, it's been around for quite some time, but it wasn't really, it didn't really hit the masses until ChatGPT, in my 
perspective. Um, you know, I looked at it as a double-edged sword that, yes, this is amazing because if you're a content creator, now you can use all these new tools. We know that it's been growing exponentially with everyone building on top of, you know, what's been out there. And so it just causes this ripple effect to where we get better tools now utilizing AI to now sound, let's say, more professional, to sound as though we're more of an expert because we're using these tools. And so my question is, if you fast forward and this continues, then it becomes more of a necessity that if you want to have success as a content creator, you have to leverage the tools that we have. You have to use AI that we get to this point in the future where everyone starts to sound the same in terms of maybe being an expert or it's different. I should say it's different to dis- it's difficult to distinguish those who are good between from those who are not right? Those who are using AI versus those who have been in the game for a while who have accumulated this knowledge. So from your perspective, you know, how, where does that ability to differentiate yourself, how, how is that going to be done, you know, in the future in a very AI driven world? Whoa. Um, I think the future is, uh, if we look at the future of tech is integration, right? It's where things go from physical, um, you know, to our environment. Similar in terms of how we need to approach it. Where um, I was going somewhere with this, but um, where. Like, I, I do think that we need to start thinking about our own humanity and, and the technology around it. So that's where I do think being here, being technical. Hey, sure. Oh, sorry. Oh, is it bad? Hello? Oh, I might be losing you. Yeah, it was, losing yeah, it was cutting. Damn it! It was cutting in and out, but I don't. <laughs> And it's so good too. I'm so sorry. Fanta, wait, you can talk. You can talk, and then I'll talk. Okay, we can do that. Sounds good. Uh, see, look at this collaboration right here on stage. See, creators right there. Um, the, um, you know, I look at AI. You know, the the beauty of AI uh, in in my view is that you know the like my focus, like what I do for a living, like is I want to help audiences and brands and communities find the harmony between technology and humanity. And I don't look at AI or technology at replacing a handshake or replacing what we do as humans. And I, I look at the future as that we aren't gonna spend all of a sudden more time online or more time connected, but we are going to change the way that we spend our time connected and the way that we spend our time online. And so I think as creators, when we look at AI, I think we have to look at it and say, what does the blockchain allow? Like, I would be scared if 10 years ago, ChatGPT uh, came to life and MidJourney came to life and Dolly came to life. Like, like, truthfully, 10 years ago, I think it would have scared me. But it doesn't scare me now because I look at things like ownership and and proof of, of you know things existing where Web3 is going to allow us you know to validate certain things that are created by creators, right? And like that idea where it was mentioned about musicians, I mean, we should be able to collab- I mean, collaboration to me is so under you know, it's it's talked about a lot, but people forget how freaking hard it is to make collaboration work, right? Collaboration requires 
it's something being mutually beneficial for both parties, but then also for it to scale. And like, we've never had a model that allowed scaled collaboration, but I've been doing a lot of art collaborations recently. And I will tell you what's super cool about that is we both work on the piece together. I, no matter who mints it onto the blockchain, we put the other person's wallet address into the contract and say on perpetuity that every time this thing is sold or everything that happens with this, 50% of the profits go into each of our wallets. And what is really neat about that is it takes away a lot of that like frustration and middle person, you know, away from the equation. And I also think AI, like, you know, this still comes into a game of trust, right? And I used to say like nobody, you know, people are still going to trust, you know, you have to look in your digital eyeballs, right? That used to be a thing that I would say. And so as creators, the more you put your eyeballs on things, the better it is, right? And and let's face it, there are some good tech right now that puts some some eyeballs on on video that's hard to tell if if they're human or not. But I think when it comes down to trust, right? Trust in the standpoint of like, it, you know, and we were mentioning before about what does influence look like? To me, influence is about like the people that I trust. The Like there are certain people when a new product comes to market that I go listen to them because I trust them for forever. I don't care that they're streamlining their process using chat GPT. I don't care that their show notes now are, are created by an AI bot because maybe now they have more time to spend testing out the product more time, maybe hanging out with me in person when I meet them IRL. Right? So I, I really think as creators, the more we can integrate AI, not to replace our trust vehicle, but for us to be more productive and for us to scale so that we could spend more time building trust, more time testing things out, more time shaking hands and turning hands and, you know, into, you know, hugs and, and, and going IRL. Like that's where I look at this bigger picture, but I'm very thankful for the web three component because for anyone that's, you know, how do we, how do we do this and make sure that people aren't getting their art ripped off? Well, how do we do that is that we figure out how to actually put, you know, authenticate art on the blockchain, connecting it to a wallet that allow percentages to be shared based on things that are being used, right? Adobe right now with the Adobe um, Photoshop beta, they're only using Adobe creators and Adobe artists, but they have sent, came out and said that Adobe's goal is that that everyone that if your art is used in the compiling via a prompt for an AI uh, export within Adobe Photoshop, you're going to get, you know, a percentage of that as an artist that if your art was there and how cool would that be as we start building out these models that we're, we are going to be able to do things like rev share. And, and I mean, let's face it. I think one of the worst days in entire NFT space was the creator royalty day where, you know, unfortunately the, the flippers and the, uh, the DGENs and I have a flipping DGEN side of my life as well, but um, I never wanted them to win. And, and this, the creator royalties to me is such a, a big component of this. And I think this is where I'm excited because I think, you know, for me as an, I mean, I would have never been able to collaborate uh, with Shira on that Jumbo project if it wasn't for AI, right? I would have, it just, I would have never had that unlock, but guess what? That now that's going to unlock how many more people are going to know about my podcast where I'm going to interview more people that are in like Deepak Chopra's community where they're going to be able to come on my podcast. It was unlocked because I was doing AI art, right? So I think AI can also be a vehicle to unlock kind of side avenues and side opportunities that we haven't even thought of. And that can come in all different you know forms and fashion. But I, I think it's still going to come down to trust. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care what business you're in. You know, we want, we, we want to make sure, you know, we're all in the business of trust. 
And if we're using AI to try to build that trust, I think that breaks over time. I think AI can allow us to spend more time building trust, not replace the trust that we're trying to build. Shira, you better spot now. Yeah, uh, do you hear me? And then I need a, I need it. Then I need to go. Do you hear me? You're good. Oh, Perfect. We got it. Um, yeah, I think uh, I'm actually been pretty surprised at, and I see how we fought social media. I mean, not taking social media uh, creators as seriously compared to like real quote unquote actors, and it's like this idea of performance and influence and talent changes over time right? Depending on the medium, the medium is the message, right? So there are going to be people that, ha um, that evolve with the, with the time and the platforms and then become a new form of talent during that time, right? Just like Shakespeare took advantage of the theater. And like when, you know, black and white movies were happening, there was a certain talent that broke through and then when color came and then sound it's like these were considered disruptors at, at the time or people that were ruining the industry you could say or killing off another industry but it's just like this is where things were evolving and they were jumping on the opportunity or they would have not otherwise had the opportunity so I always think as a creator, the way I've survived and thrived is to embrace and figure out how to make it work for me versus me catching up with it and doing stuff in reaction to it. And part of that and, and my thesis and something I'm working on is this idea of like um, evolving with tech and the curiosity around that and, and staying ahead of it and riding the waves and not getting left behind is kind of similar to the personal growth journey where it's like not being holding on to what you've known too much and, and always saying that you have, you know, room to grow. And I think that the more we evolve ourselves with how technology is evolving, the more we'll actually um, have less fear around it and have more curiosity, you know, around it. Well, and the skepticism is important. Let's be clear. Like, it's not just about riding blind and just like, you know, like all of that. We need to be skeptical. We need to protect ourselves. We need to create safe spaces. But in order to have that, we need the right people leading the way and leading by example and, you know, ethical, conscious leadership. Um, so I, I, I think about it like that. And I think, yeah, there will be AI content creators, just like there's AI artists, just like there's people, you know, right now that are like, oh, I'm more of a traditional video person. I am a commercial actor. I'm a film actor, TV, like, oh, I do stuff with, um, you know, uh, with photography, like there's all different types. And actually, I think it's going to make IRL things actually more precious sacred and more exclusive the fact that it's made by possibly you know it's like this is human made versus ai made versus a mix of both but in the end if we look at content today like i'm sure ph photographers were freaking out or people were freaking out when there was like adobe photoshop and filters of like this you're not a real artist but then now it's just part for the course that you have that and like what do you do with it right and it just it it goes with the process of creating. So I think that AI is gonna live alongside how we create and there's definitely gonna be people, people that utilize it more or don't. And, and the hope is that they're honest about that because that's part of them sharing their own process and us knowing who they are as, as creators and as founders, et cetera, and buying into what they do, knowing how they do it, right? It's like, how, how does your 
how do you brush the strokes or your strategy and process like that will become um, part of the story of being a creator just like you know Fanzo was sharing how he's done it that's part of his story and it's inspiring when he says it like that if he says like oh yeah I just decided to put in a bunch of prompts on AI and do this this and that be like well that's not inspiring it was like there, there's a reason why he went specifically to AI it's part of what he does um, and so I think that that's how we're going to look at it. And there will be authentication on the blockchain. I think there's going to be more ways to monetize. I think a lot of creators are maxed on their ability to scale themselves and monetize. But if, if AI could be pulling bits of their skills, voice, um, uh, you know, their art, then actually we could scale what we do. Um, and productize what we do in many ways, but we need to make sure we're monetizing that. That's why I do think Grimes is totally on it with how she's modeled it. Because, um, but no, it's not gonna be for everyone. It's the same as monetization on social, how we started seeing music videos, like people copying stuff or parodying stuff or um, pulling a viral moment from something. And like artists had to decide or their labels, whether we're gonna pull it down or we're gonna take monetization. I think it's gonna be a similar model uh, around AI um, and usage of likeness or voice, et cetera. I really like those points. A lot of the people who complain about AI um, it's because of that lack of transparency from my perspective, you know, looking at art, a lot of the conversations that we've had and we've had shows dedicated just to just to AI and we, you know, the, 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 the question of, is it true? Is it original art or not? Um, and transparency of that is ever so important. Uh, guys, this conversation has been so, yeah. so great. We're almost at the 90 minute mark. So I'm hoping that I can steal you away for a couple of more minutes. I let someone up here, Sydney Swift, because we were talking about the music and the AI component. Sydney's actually a 10 times platinum, two times Grammy award winner. Um, or nominated and so I, I think that you know we can have a good question up here uh Sydney how are you thanks for coming to the show what you got I'm awesome thanks for having me I I love this topic this is my one of my favorite topics in web3 so I saw it and had to join the space and you know respect everybody on here Shira Fanzo I'm a big fan so I'm, I'm excited to be here I mean Look, everybody's points that uh, they made really resonate with me. I agree with I, re I agree with everything. You know, AI is the future. You know, let's lean into blockchain. You know, that we need more tools uh, and more education around Web two uh, to Web three um, creator conversion, right? Um, but I think I think the coolest part about or what I'm most excited about is some of the new token standards that are coming out right now. I don't know if you guys touched on that, but that's something that I'm really, really excited about with, you know, the ERC 721Cs where it auto enforces royalties on chain. Uh, that's like, you know, going to be a game changer. Uh, and then uh, along with this new like 6551 uh, where you can, your, your NFT kind of acts as a wallet in itself and you can begin to, you know, split up traits and, and add to your NFTs. And so I think those two new standards are going to really change the way creators are able to operate on chain. Um, you know, Fanzo was talking about something really, really interesting when it comes to like how people collaborate uh, on chain. And I think that for me, uh, there's always been a, a disconnect between IRL creating 
like so when i'm in the studio with another producer or a songwriter we're all working on something and then there's there's kind of like an unspoken we split this down the middle we'll do paperwork later uh you know situation that happens and you know if that's usually why you work with people you trust uh you know in the real life digitally it's a lot harder but like to scale would be a lot more fun right if i could collaborate with 10,000 people on something uh things get really really interesting for the amount of creativity and and products we can put out but at the flip side is how do you track and monetize and license when you have so many different variations and remixes or additions and things like that so you know i think there's a huge opportunity with like a decentralized protocol for creators to to be able to like work off of and dapps to be built off of where you know applications can exist on top of it where if i make a you know if i make a beat and somebody sings on top of it you know using the protocol it'll automatically mint an nft that gets distributed in both of our wallets and that nft represents the ownership of that piece along with you know the assets provided by the creator so i think i'm really excited about the future of, of content creation and and web3 like i think there's a over the next year or two especially leading up to the next bull run it's like a huge opportunity for content creators in general to start building communities and and learning how like the web3 culture works cuz eventually like it's not going to be split up right like there's not going to be a web2 and a web3 creator it's just going to be just creators in general and the blockchain and ai is just going to be an, a set of tools that everybody uses to you know expand their creative potential and and financial freedom so i'm really excited about it Hansa i saw you throw up some emojis do you have some something to add or address that No i mean i think that's i mean that's i'm i'm with you 100% on that Sydney and i think i think part of this comes into you know as early adopters right as all of us that are here that you know we believe in setting the culture and also pushing what's possible with this technology i mean we have we've really we've barely tapped what the blockchain offers us from a standpoint of you know so many different things beyond just you know even you know the basic tokenization right like i mean from you know i know there you know there might be some lawyers and ip lawyers in the audience i know i think it's ellie that uh you know bell that you might have been connected with she, she sent me a dm i'm i'm sending her one of my uh adhd pieces right now uh you know it's a uh, on the back end just cuz i i love connecting with those that are adhd super powered but i I think I think I look at I look at like IP and I look at um regulation and I I love like Sydney I think there's not only is it these protocols but I I will tell you I'm working with a a, a product right now that is allowing you know it's really creating um it's it's built for creators but the focus is really from a mobile creation perspective so if you think of like Canva meets uh you know let's just say uh you know meets uh Manifold if Canva meant Manifold or or Wix meant uh meant you know Manifold from a creation of NFTs but also going beyond that right like I I think creator the, the creator model of NFTs to unlock things and unlock things beyond just like unlocking you know content like unlocking experiences and even like the group collaboration of it right like I would love the idea 
that if you're holding one of Sydney's NFTs and you're supporting him and you also hold one of my NFTs, I can offer you something that's even more of a bonus because it's empowering that we can do that across the board. Right now, there's no way to do that, right? There's no way that I can say, you know, and not no way, but there's very little ways that are available for us to do kind of cross rewarding without it having to be something that's like monetized right and i think i think that is a a beautiful component that we haven't even touched like the nft space has not done an amazing job of unlocking that type of of kind of cross collaboration um and also cross chain right because you know let's face it you know with regulations and all the other things that are going on like we you know there's a reason reddit has become so successful at onboarding their people but we also know that like Yes, it's great that Reddit is onboarding people in that space, but how many of those people are are people that are also in our audience? And and how could we, if someone's already gone down the Reddit ecosystem of of minting NFTs through Reddit, which I think they're now at four million uh, individual um, wallets or something stupidly crazy, um, like what? How could we use that to reward that? Like I'm part of the Starbucks community, right? I in Starbucks Odyssey, and I hold a bunch of the Starbucks Odyssey NFTs. Like if I was a brand and I was like a high end uh, brand that knew that like, hey, people that that are willing to spend money at Starbucks and collect Starbucks mugs and Starbucks experiences, that's my target demographic. Why the hell would you not reward those that have a Starbucks NFT on their wallet at a discount on your place because you know that's your target demographic, right? Like as creators, we have to start thinking that way as well. And I think that kind of cross thinking, cross rewarding, cross celebrating is like a, a really exciting space. We just have to get there more. And I, and I do think some of these, uh, you know, the the tokenization, and, I, and I, I don't know, Sydney, if you heard me earlier, you know, I dropped a, a token, a coin on uh, on layer two rally, uh, the L2 for Ethereum, you know, back in, uh, you know, back in March uh, of 21. And that was my first, uh, you know, thing that I dropped in this space. And I, I learned so damn much, but I ended up, you know, we grew that token to have 2,800 individual holders of that token on, on the layer two. But there was a lot of lessons I learned from not owning the contract from, you know, what was nice was people could create a, an account without having to have a MetaMask wallet. But what sucked is like when I realized that Rally was, was folding as a, as a, you know, as a creator platform for me to actually move people, like I had to remint everything on ETH. Then I had to figure out how to get everybody's ETH wallet addresses. Then I had to pay gas to move everything to ETH or, their, or move it to Poly and then teach them how to move it from their, their, their hidden wallet to non-hidden wallet. And like, I'll tell you, like we moved over 81% of our, of our NFT holders, we moved over to ETH and I'm freaking proud of that number, but I will tell you, it was a nightmare that required four people full-time on my team for multiple months to move people from that layer two into Ethereum where we are having them at now. And now I have a bigger problem. I was like, how do I communicate with them? Right. So like, I think as creators, like these tokens, hopefully we, we streamline some of these uh, mechanics and we also, you know, let's keep tapping into web two things like, you know, uh, you know, SMS and email sign up. Like those are things that we still need to be better at because I think web three has not done a great job of using web two tools to be better communicators and better in touch with our community. But yeah, I love everything you got to say, Cindy. Spot on. I appreciate it, bro. And you know what? It's crazy because the same exact thing happened with Mint Songs, where like, you know, they they just unfortunately like, you know, had to shut the, their doors and all the contracts and all the music NFTs that were on their platform, like had to be ported back to the users. But it was like a shit show. Like, you know, and, and I, you know, I love those guys. I, you know, I, I worked a lot with them, but 
it just shows the power of decentralization, right? And like as a creator, you have to be in control of your IP. You know, it's really interesting because we're at a time right now where I think that, um, you know, if you look at like pre-2000s and pre-social media, IP uh, and ownership of content, whether it be the song, a piece of art, a blog, like whatever the content was, it was very valuable. It was incredibly valuable because there was, it, there was more scarcity back then, you know, a, a hit song. If somebody like the creators of that song, like, you know, I mean, it, it was worth a lot of money. And that's why you see these catalogs of, you know, songwriters or, or artists selling for 400 million or a hundred million. It's like an, a startup exit. Right. I think in during web two, that entire model got convoluted because everybody was trying to get their information on the internet. So the perceived value of IP and creation went down. And so now it's like people don't value things the same as they used to, but ownership is now coming back into play. So I think over the next 10, 20 years, you know, cr the, the creator economy is going to go from 50 million to 500 million people just off of Web3 and, and AI tools alone, right? And we're going to have that many creators in the world. But on top of that, we're going to have the ability to monetize and represent ownership between all of it. All of that new content is going to be able to be represented. So I think that like there's an incredible shift that's about to happen in the way that people co-create, co-license, and co-manage their catalog of creations, whether it be music, you know, art, screenwriting, whatever that, whatever you do, photography, you know, there's a huge opportunity right now to, to, to start to educate as a creator on not just like, you know, the last 10, 20 years of monetization and distribution, but like the entire span of things, because, you know, if, I mean, I'm sure you know it too, friends, like, like, you know, the, the value of art and creations is going way up if you know, if you're educated enough to know how to, to like, strategize around this new paradigm shift, you know? There's definitely a wealth of opportunity coming our way. And if you are here, I mean, those people that are here right now in Twitter spaces, either hosting or creating or participating in these conversations are at the forefront of it. And when the rest of the world finds out, you will be absolutely well positioned to reap all the benefits. So kudos to all of you guys. Kudos to, to, to you for, you know, persevering. Fanzo, it has been an amazing conversation with you. We lost Shira. I'm sure her connection finally dropped her. Uh, we also lost NFT Fiend, but we did not lose you. And I am so grateful that you have stuck with us this entire time. We are past the 90 minute mark. So I know we have a couple of more people requesting to, to get up here, but I'm so sorry. We're going to have to do a part two. Fanzo, seriously, everything that you gave was straight alpha. And I hope that, you know, everybody took as much away from it as I did. Where can we follow you and find more information about you and be part of your community? Yeah, of course. Uh, and I appreciate you having me on. And, you know, Shira is a is a dear friend. And, you know, I, and I, I will say, like, I mean, I think as creators, we have to support each other um, and just know, like, for everyone that's creating, like, you know, creating is, is not easy. And, and it might some people might make it look easy. 
but I, I can probably challenge you that they have imposter syndrome just like everyone else and they question things like everyone else and there's things you know we have to give ourselves a little bit of grace um, as creators and, and just remember that you know the, the more that we, we we're willing to kind of put out there and, and kind of take these reps the better it kind of goes over time and um, yeah for me you know I the you know if you look at my pinned tweet if you want to check out any of the art, uh, the ADHD art that I mentioned. Also, uh, you know, I'm creating a, an AI art piece uh, every day for a year, um, and I'm minting those over on Foundation. So I have a really cool collection over on Foundation. Uh, I also launched my first collection on Tezos. So anyone that's on, uh, I've been people have been begging for me to launch over on Tezos. So I finally uh, launched over there on Tezos, and it's super smooth, no gas fees. I have the the prices of the, of the NFTs are uh, are cheaper because I'm able to create them cheaper. Um, so I'm up over there uh and then nft 365 is the podcast um i think it, it's it's in the audience here uh if you see the little icon it, it's uh you know the logo down there nft 365 um there's a ton of content like i said today's episode is episode 420 um i will say like when i started the podcast november you know this was the ninth podcast or the eighth podcast that i've created since i started my goal was evergreen content from day one so you can literally go back and listen to like episode 30 so just look through the list of the you don't have to listen to all the episodes but if there's you know a topic that you're curious about you know i tried my best to stay away from um, just trending news or trending topics i really made you know made it my mission and goal to make every episode very focused on kind of like an education that anyone could go back and listen and and i'm proud of that like right now i think on average uh, you know, each week, some of our original episodes in the first month uh, have over 300 downloads per episode. And so um, that to me is probably more exciting than even the new um, subscribers that we have, just because, I, you know, we did put a lot of work out there. Uh, if you're not a podcast listener, you can check it out on YouTube. Every, uh, pretty much of the first 365 episodes, 312 of them were done on video. Um, I did have to create some, some of the podcast in the airport um, using my mobile recorder because I got delayed. And I, when you do a daily show, there's times, I mean, I created in the airport, I created um, at, outside of a hospital when uh, I was dealing with a, a loved one that had COVID. Um, and so there's some that don't have uh, uh, videos up there, but we do create now. Um, all of our episodes do have videos. So if you want to listen on YouTube, you can check that out uh, there as well. But yeah, thanks everybody so much for, you know, enjoying the thing. I love the, love the conversation. I love the, um, you know, for me, the, the questions, you know, the, you know, joining spaces like this invoke, like knowing what people are asking about helps me create future content. And I think of all of this as all of this we're creating together. So, um, you know, the, the mantra of my podcast is we is greater than me. And, uh, this, uh, this has been a, a fun hour and a half of, uh, embodying that, uh, wholeheartedly. So thanks for having me. Of course. Anytime you're always welcome. Um, I have been following you for a minute and I know how good you are, but I'm telling you that I'm getting DMs and text messages that they love you. And so you absolutely have found yourself some new followers and new supporters because uh, you just embody, you know, a true person that's trying to make it and provide um, education and and just some something to relate to to a lot of people. So I'm with you, man. That that imposter syndrome. Um, you know, I, I always admire content creators and people that are public facing because you never know what they are dealing with on that particular day. But when the mic goes on, they forget about everything else, and you are focused on what you are doing. And that is a skill in and of itself, and that is to be applauded. So well, I think. I, I... Thank you for that. I love that. And I have to throw a challenge to everyone since you said that. 
I think one of the things that we can all do, no matter if you're a creator or a consumer, right now when you get done with this space, I want every single person to reach out via DM or public message to a creator that you love in this space that has done great things for you or that, that, that something that helped you out and just let them know that you appreciate them. I will tell you it does not matter how big or how small you think a creator is, letting someone know that you appreciate what they have to say or the content they're creating, it will go miles. I'm telling you, I have a folder, I call it screenshot awesomeness. Every time someone sends me a message that says, hey, I appreciate this, or thanks for talking about ADHD, I take a screenshot, I put it in that folder. And those days where I don't wanna press the damn button, the days where I'm questioning myself as a creator, I open that folder and I don't get very far because eventually I'm like, wait a second, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for others. But we don't do a good enough job in this space of, of, of going, just, just let people know you care. Reach out and just say, hey, love this episode. Thanks so much for sharing it. Can't wait for more content. And if you, we each do that today. We each do that today. I can promise you we will empower one less creator to quit. We will help one other creator start to create more. And that's where the, that true magic goes. So that's, that'd be my call to action. If anyone that, if you enjoy what I had to say, reach out to another creator. You don't have to do it to me. I appreciate the love here, but reach out to a creator in your world. They could have created for you a content nine months ago, two years ago. Just let them know that you appreciate them. I promise you it means way more than you think it does. So thanks again. NFT Fina, see you're back. You want to close us out? What are your closing thoughts? And then we're closing it out after that. Oh my gosh. I mean, just so many things, but I'm just grateful to be in this space. First of all, you know, I mean, where would we be without Web3, right? <laughs> I mean, if we all just look back, yeah, I joined in 2017 and that's when my journey started. But my gosh, I'm just so grateful that we have access to all these tools, access to each other. The world is flat. Let's just keep going. Let's keep building. Let's create something that's never been done before. Let's just do it. That's right. Let's just do it because we can. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a little bit of a long one, but it is worth every single second. Go back and listen to all of the alpha that was dropped. Seriously, even I learned so much as I do every time, but this one was truly extra special. Uh, we upload all of these podcasts into Apple up Apple and Spotify podcast. So go and take a listen. We've been doing this for a minute and we've got some really, really great creators and artists, et cetera, everyone, uh, founders, what, whatever on, um, on, on our podcast. You, you could have been anywhere else and you are here with us and truly from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate that. Make sure that you are following me, that you are following Shira, that you are following Franzo and XYZ News as well as NFT Fiend. Don't forget that if you didn't know, now you know and we will see you next week. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks, Bye. Franzo. Thanks, Sydney. Thanks, Shira. <laughs>